Good morning, everybody. Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Best Life Cafe. I'm back here with episode two, uh, part two with Teresa Blanton. And Teresa is a Reiki master, an angel card reader, referred to as the Hillbilly Gila. And I am so excited to have her back for episode two. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, go back to your podcast and listen to episode one. You're not going to want to miss that. It was an amazing conversation. Also, if you're listening, please, if you love this podcast, press the subscribe button. And as always, review, review, review. Good morning, Teresa. Welcome back to the Best Life Cafe. So Good morning. How, how exciting was... Um, that episode that we talked about the darker parts of your life. And I really appreciate you sharing. It's not easy to come up with, you know, vulnerability at a level of podcast when maybe a thousand people are going to hear this podcast. Of course, that's my hope. Uh, so, uh, so it was dark, but now we're jumping up to like what, 2008, you've had enough of the life that you're living, and you make a bold move. Let's talk about what you did next. Fantastic. Yes, I I was ready to start moving into my into myself. I, I didn't even know who I was at that point. You know, I I didn't even really know who I was. I had inklings of who I was, but. I kept getting into relationships and being in relationships with people that I stayed a victim as. And I, the most important part of that sentence is I participated in that. Yeah. I did that. And so finally I'd, I'd been praying to God. It's like, God, please, I need a change. I, I want to do, please help me. I need to change. Please help me to change. And what happened was the job I had at the time, I got laid off. And mind you, this is in 2008. I got laid off. And within a period of maybe a month, I was headed to Colorado to live. So so you prayed to God for a change. Well, I love this part of the story because, I mean, obviously I've often found myself saying, to God, this is it, like something has to shift. You know, I I now live with the old adage, uh, careful what you wish for, because sometimes it happens and it's bold and it's life-changing, but at the same time, nothing changes if nothing changes. And so if you're sitting there living your life uncomfortably or you're sitting there bored or you're there's no passion in your life anymore, there's no passion for your work, there's no desire to be around, you know, things start to spiral down. A change is the only thing that's going to bring you out of that. So I appreciate that. Uh, so go on. Don't mean to interrupt you. You know I get on my tangents. <laughs> no, that's great. So, uh, you know, and I had a long discussion with Mama, as you know, because I was really a big helper to her. But the the truth of the matter was I had other siblings in the area that could also step up. And, and to help. And I knew that and she knew that and, and her being the mama that she is, she 
she supported me, but she also bawled the day that I left because I actually left sure. from her apartment because I had, what I did was I sold everything in my apartment. I fit in my car, what I could get in my car, and I drove to Colorado, and I had a family Which member that was there. Which is about, 12-hour, 15, 20-hour drive? It's a long way oh, from no, Ohio. Oh, no, that's, you're talking, it was over 20-some hours from Ohio, and I yeah. ended up stopping and staying somewhere for like two nights because I was flipping exhausted. And, you know, I get to the, I'll never forget, I got to the Colorado state line and I'm like, yay, I'm almost there. Not realizing that Grand Junction, Colorado is all the way on the west side of the state. I oh, hell. Denver traffic and I was on, it was a Friday afternoon at 3.30. I hit Denver traffic. I'd never experienced anything in that in my life, you know, being from a town <laughs> of 10,000 people. I was, I was terrified. And, 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 you know, it took me another 12 hours to get from the, from the Colorado state line to, to you know, Grand Junction. That's, I was so tired at that point, though, I kept stopping. But so that's when, you know, that was a huge change for me. Now, mind sure. you, Mama and I still talked on the phone at least once a day, sometimes more than that. So we still had a very wonderful, close relationship. So but how it was at did... that point. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you where the Reiki came in and what what, what prompted you. So after, when this move happened, is that when you started making some of those really big changes towards healing and what that experience was? I did. I started making huge changes towards healing as far as, you know, I'd never been able to really go on hikes of any sort. And, you know, when you're mm. in the in Colorado, you've got some of the most beautiful nature around you that you can find. And I'd start mm. moseying out and I'd start going on hiking. I'd, you know, I, I mean, I made some great friends and... When I first started to get into the Reiki, so I, I had a really, you know, a really good time. I mean, I was I was really starting to spend time with myself and stuff, but I would have to say that at that point, I still didn't recognize that I put myself in victim situations. You know, it was kind of like, um, and I had had therapy for years with different therapies, of course, because of how I grew up and try to work with my emotions and all stuff like that. But the real the real change for me really happened was when Mama died, and that was in 2013. And I, you know, because I still identified so much with her, it was almost like I died when Mama Part of died. You died. Sure. Yes. And I didn't know because even though we lived so far apart, and I went home, you know, every year few times for vacation to see her and my other family but you know we were still very much connected and and at that point I still kind of felt like the only reason I was alive was to help mama you know and then it's like well hell mama's dead you know I don't even really know who I am you know (laughs) and so it it was such and I didn't know how to grieve you know because I'd never really seen anybody else grieve and drank more than I needed to. The Xanax was there again. And so I didn't really deal. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't. So of course, then again, I didn't deal. I didn't deal. And I started having some real problems. So I started ending up in hospitals with, you know, the anxiety, the grief, 
And then I started meeting people. I started reaching out. I started following people online that I felt could help me because who's the first person that came to my mind when all this stuff really started happening was Cheryl Richardson. And so I started, you know, I'd been following her, but not to the extent that you could at that time with, because, you know, with the Facebook and everything else, it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to follow people today than it was, you know, when I first saw her on Oprah. And so I started doing that more. I got, I started watching I, uh, Hay House, people to do with Hay House and Louise Hay. And I started getting their books. I started reading and I started uh, reaching out to get help. And especially after mom died, because I, it, it was, such a wake-up call for me of, okay, this is me. It's on me. You know, this is me. It's my responsibility. You know, I, for the life of me, and when I first started working with Nancy, and I wasn't there when Mama died, and that about killed me. It, it did. It about killed me. Let's just pause for one and, second. I want to tell the listeners okay. who Nancy is. Um, Nancy is Nancy Levin. She is a life coach. She's an author of four best-selling books all of which I've read, all of which Teresa has read. And she, we were, we were actually in groups. That's where we were with her in 1440. So I just wanted to shout out to Nancy Levin because she was a big, huge part of your healing and she was a big, huge part of mine. And so uh, back to the rise in the shine. Uh, so that you're starting to work with Nancy and you're starting to work with, with uh, all these people that you're finding who have the gifts of, uh, healing really how to, and again we already know it's self-care and self-love like those are the two biggest components of healing is putting it the onus back on yourself and 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 putting the attention back on yourself and I know like what you said every time I get to an anxiety place or I start to feel out of control I know I'm not giving myself the care that I need and so I'll, now I stop and care for Kathy, you know. So, anyways, go back to. You. I want to get to the part where you're, where you're, you're following Reiki and you start to heal, <laughs> and angels and all that. Oh, it was wonderful. And so, I was grateful enough to, and I was trying to find a life coach that I could work with in the area. And I was racking my brain. I was having these dreams, and they would say, "You need to work with." somebody named Nancy. Well, I didn't know who the hell they were talking about. And it just so (laughs) happened that Radley Valentine put a picture on Facebook of him seeing Nancy running into Nancy at the airport in Denver. And I, I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Her name's Nancy. And it didn't even dawn on me that she was, had been affiliated with Hay House and it come to find out she was a life coach. And then I got on her website, and I looked at her website, and, of course, it said there's a waiting list. And then I'm thinking to myself, number one, I can't afford her. Number two, there's a waiting list. I'm never going to get in there. So what's happening? I'm making myself a victim again, you know, by trying to talk myself out of this. And then it was like, no, you, no, I, I am going to follow up with this because I want to heal. I want to get better. Like Mama said, now that I know better, I want to do better. But I have to reach out to get help to do that because you don't – I didn't know how to love myself, you know. So I reached out, and this is the miracle in the whole thing. 
of having the wait list, of me thinking I couldn't afford to work with her, I was able to start working with Nancy Levin in three days from when I first contacted Pat, her assistant. Three days. Now tell me that's not a miracle. And God jumping in and saying, you guys need to work with each other because you're going to you're going to be on a path that's unreal. And while I'm working, and when I started working with Nancy, I had already, um, I had heard of this person that was doing Reiki. Of course, I didn't know what, what that was. I was like, that ain't no hillbilly term I never heard of, no hillbilly speak. So I <laughs> found out, I found out what it My was. Hillbilly said, you know, I'm gonna tr- yeah, I, I was like, well, I'm going to try it, you know, because you get to the point where you tell me to stand in a corner and it's, I'm going to do it because I, I want to heal. So I, I need, feel what do I anymore. do yeah. to heal? Yeah. And here's the thing. You can go to a thousand conferences. You can go to a thousand seminars. You can sit and listen to Cheryl Richardson like I did on the TV. And if you don't take action behind that, you're yeah. going to still be where you are. Like you said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Sure. And so, what I did was I went to this person, I started getting Reiki and I, I did, it was like miraculous that helped me, I feel, get my energy back where it needed to go. So I started investigating it more. And at that point I decided I can do this with other people because of my intuition, my, my psychic abilities, my gifts that God has already given me, this could really work. And so then I went and I got certified and I became a Reiki master, and then I was able to Reiki myself, and I could self-heal myself also. So at that point, when I started working with Nancy, I actually was a Reiki master already. And so it was all like really starting to come together in gel. Sure. Because here I was able to do Reiki on myself. I was able to reach out and ask for help and get help from Nancy. And Nancy's not a savior. She's not, you know, she didn't save me. She guided me. She, with her work, she helped me learn how to love myself, take the action steps of what I needed to do to be responsible for myself and not put myself in situations where it's like, okay, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to help change you. I'm going to help do this. No, I got back to myself. And with the work that I did with Nancy, I was able to say, how do I help me? And we did. And we helped me. And from the first phone call I did with Nancy, I'll never forget it. It was on a Saturday morning. I cried. And I I was afraid to cry to people because, you know, that's how I grew up. But I was able to open up with her in a way that I had not really been able to do that with others. I was able to be vulnerable with her. And she held space for me, and she continues to do that to this day. Well, I think what's interesting about Nancy's work is her she does allow the vulnerability. I had a Mm -hmm. similar experience from when I first started working with her because I had been, you know, shut down, fight or flight, never spoke up because of the relationship that I was in. I was just sort of this shriveled flower, so to speak. And... I remember the first time during one of the groups that I spoke up and it was like we were in a 12 week group life coaching group 
and it was like week 11. Right. And I had listened to everybody talk, and I finally got the nerve. And when I ever listened back to it, my little meek voice, I think that was 2014. And that was when I first also started to realize that I had something inside that, that, that was my voice, that it was okay to use it, that it was okay to, to acknowledge the feelings that I had that weren't supporting the environment that I was in. And it, it's a long process. When I look back now, six years ago, uh, I could never have imagined my life today how it is. And I certainly attribute 80% of my changes to working with her. And so in a way, she is my savior, <laughs> honestly. Well, I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that 100% because I wouldn't be sitting here speaking with you truly if it was not for Nancy Levin. And, I mean, during the time when we started working together early on, I quit drinking. I quit taking the Xanax. And she helped me walk through that. And I've I've been clean and sober ever since, and that was in 2016. And I'm I'm telling you that the level that she brings, but the, the magic of that is, is, if we don't do the action that's suggested, we're, we're always going to be in the same spot. Right. And so, so to touch on life coaching a little bit, I just want to explain to the listeners what life, a life coach different from a therapist, a therapist is you're going to go in and sort of dissect what happened, why it happened, unearth some of those younger childhood memories, which Nancy also's work does. But what Nancy's work does and life coach work does is they give you an action step and they say, okay, well, this week you're going to X. And I think that that's an important distinction uh, because it is about the action steps that, that bring the change in your life. You can sit around and think about it just like I think about my book writing every day, but I don't put it always on paper. And so it's like unless I sit down and put it on paper, I'm not really writing a book. So it's like we think these things that we should do. We know what we should do, but we don't always do them. And that's the difference. So she, she has a, yeah. I agree. And then in the beginning, I didn't know how to do them. You know, yeah. and then I started putting everything together that I had been working with. And so that's, that's true. I mean, that's the difference between therapy and life coaching. It's like, okay, where am I now and where do I want to go? And I tell right. you what, it was a really hard flipping truth. For me to be able to swallow that as an adult, I created the chaos and stuff that was happening. Uh, maybe I didn't create all of it, but I participated in a lot of it. And <laughs> that's on me. You know, it's like I, that's a hard truth to swallow. It's like I participated in some of the stuff that happened in my life that was keeping me in a victim role. And it was because you know, of how I grew up and this and that. But the bottom line was mama wasn't doing that to me anymore. You know, I was doing that to myself. I was putting myself in situations to where it may have been similar, you know, and here I thought I was doing this great healing work and stuff. And then I decided to get into a relationship, (laughs) you know, and, and I'm like, Ooh, I'm all healthy. And this other person's healthy because they're doing all their stuff. And, Woo, and, you know, I'm off to the damn races, and, I mean, I'm head head over heels for this girl, 
I mean, head over heels for this girl. And what happened was we had a damn trauma bond. Yeah. And I it, talked about that on a podcast it, previously. The trauma bond is really a thing. It really is. Yeah. And uh, what well, the problem was, though, we stayed in the trauma and not really moved into the healthy bond. And mm-hmm. so I ended up leaving Colorado to go to California. I mean, I jumped through every hoop I could for love me, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me for who I am. Love me, love me, love me, love me. And here I had been doing all this work with Nancy, with my Reiki. And I'm just saying that the patterns can come back, you know, if you're not really paying attention to what's going on. And I ignored red flags. I ignored a lot of things, my intuition and different things. But the bottom line was I, I did that. I jumped through every hoop to love me, please love me, love me, love me. Love me, love me, love me. Well, oh, sure, you know, I'll take care of the pup pup. What's interesting yeah. about that is that, you know, we go through this work to say, you know, we know loving yourself is the, is the buzzword for, for healing. And then you always kind of slip back as soon as you start to get those love feelings or, and then those love feelings are sort of gripped away from you or they start to lessen or you start to feel somebody pulling away and you're like, that's when the frenetic, uh, you're like, oh, my God, what's happening? He's pulling away or she's pulling away. And, and, and then it becomes, why don't you love me anymore? And then you're triggered to all those feelings of unworthiness and the feelings of being unloved, maybe from childhood, maybe from a previous relationship. And that's when the trouble in the relationship starts because you're fighting for love and they're fighting to get away because maybe they don't feel that way anymore or maybe something has changed. Instead of us having those super awesome, honest conversations as adults, oh, say, yeah, we need yeah. to share our wants and needs. Yes, and and we, we, but we have we, a plain game. We can't said, be yeah. the same person. And that was the thing, too. You know, I had always thought me and Mama was becoming the same person. And here I found myself in a relationship with this woman who I loved to the end of the world, and I felt that we had to be the same person because if we didn't even like, I didn't like one of the recipes she wanted to eat, it was almost like that was the end of the world. And so here I had lost <laughs> myself so, so much in, in this relationship because I, I, I wasn't able to do it. And I ended up breaking up with her, but I'm just saying it, it broke my flipping heart. And thank God I was still working with Nancy at the time, and I still do today. I'm just saying it took, and that was over two years ago. And I've done a lot, a ton of work around that to get to yeah, where I, I am now. And I, I mean, I left California. I went back home to Ohio. Thank God my sister Judy, you know, took me in with her husband and I had a place to go and I still w- did the work. I was heartbroken. I was heart sick. I was, you know, you name it. I missed her. I missed her kids. I missed the dog. I mean, it was a mess for a little while, but it also was, a very healing and learning thing because then I was able to look at, okay, what did I participate in here? And I did. I participated. Well, you know, I think about missing, you know, missing people after a breakup. I personally never missed my ex one day. In fact, I, that was the most telling thing was that (laughs) I was so relieved to be away from it. But I think that the missing 
when I've been in a situation where I've missed somebody or missed something, it's mostly I missed the feeling I had when I was either with them or the feelings that they helped, you know, give me my, my self-esteem back or for whatever reason. Um, but I've distinguished, yes, you miss the person, you miss their physical bodies, maybe the, the conversations or the, you know, intimate relationship, but it's really about the feeling inside that, that, that you miss. And I am a firm believer that you can have it again. Like I, I never thought for one second, I'll never love again. I may have said it, but knowing who I am, I'm, you know, I'm a lover. I'm, that's who I am. I, I love everybody. My son says my worst and best trait is that I love everybody, and I, give, I see the best in everybody, and I give everybody, you know, the benefit of the doubt always. He said it's your best trait, and it's your worst trait, because sometimes that will bite you in the butt. But, but I never thought I won't love again. You know, so I think that it's important that you have these relationships and that you're able to work through the healing. Like two years, it's not that long. It took me two years to get over what happened to me, not the relationship, because I was over it a long time before, but it took me two mm-hmm. years to unravel the how it ended and the, the gravity of it, which I'll share in another podcast. But uh, so anyway, sure. I just want to say that that even though you missed her, I feel like part of that missing is the feelings that you were able to recognize. I'm feeling loved. I'm feeling like I want to give love. I want to do something nice for somebody. I want to bring a gift. I want to look pretty today. So there's so much that gets wrapped up in those relationships that when they're gone, you're like, I don't even want to put my makeup on today. I don't even dress. You know what I mean? Like it's just complete, like goes the other way. I don't know. Sorry, I go off, but that, but that's just as interesting to me to think about. It's not so much missing them anymore after two years. It's missing the feelings that you had with them, you know. Yeah. And they're, and they're cap- you're capable of finding them with someone else. I guess is what I'm saying is like for me after the aftermath when I had those feelings, I was able to say, "Gosh, that's so great that I can feel this again. That I'm able to love again. That I'm able to have." Right. Yeah. And and I agree with that tremendously, but the the truth is I really needed to do that work. To I didn't want to just jump from one relationship and jump right sure. into another one because then hey, I'm still oh running because I got into this, as usual, I put myself in this situation where it was like, you know, I'll, I'll help the situation, I'll fix it, I'll, I'll do this, I'll help you. I couldn't, I, I couldn't. You know, I couldn't do that. And that was still the facade I was still trying to live. Sure. sure. And so it's, it's, and it's not how I want to live. So I'm very grateful that I did take that time. Um, and, you know, hey, maybe I'm open to it now. But I did, I did really need to take that time, and I did. I did a tremendous amount of work around it with Nancy, and I'm very, very grateful for her and with everybody else I worked with too. Well, what's interesting is with this quarantine that we've had for the last six months, that was supposed to be two weeks in March, uh, side note, um, <laughs> right. it has allowed a lot of people or, or afforded the people the ability to sit with themselves and sit alone. And dating isn't really on the forefront because, A, you know, in California, you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a concert, you can't go to the normal places where you would just meet people and be friendly. But as a result of that, a lot of people are just like getting okay with being alone and they're getting okay with being single and they're getting okay Mm -hmm. with like so many things. And it's almost like 
Like I talk to a lot of women who are just like, I can't even imagine where a man would fit in. You know, for me, most of my girls are, you know, but they, they can't even imagine where that would fit into their life now. They've created such a wonderful life for themselves that anybody that comes in is going to have to enhance me and not hinder me, you know. And a lot of times in relationships, yeah. like you said, you give yourself and you give too much of yourself and you start doing anything that they want so that you'll feel that love. Interesting. Anyways, uh, so let, we're getting to the, close to the end, but I do want to ask you about uh, where you're at now and and what you're going to be doing. Cause I know you have a coloring book coming out. So where you're at now with your healing and your self-esteem, and then let's dive into the book that's coming out and why that's important. Oh, sure. Um, so I, I really have been living my best life these last few yes. years with even, with even the tough work that I've done, but I've taken the action and I've really been living I mean, not just because I've always survived in my lifetime. I mean, I've always been able to survive. We all do, yeah. But, but I'm actually thriving in my life right now, and I've never been able to really capture that. And, and it's only because I'm being me. I'm, I'm loving and accepting myself for who I am. And there are people in my life I have today that love me and accept me exactly who I am. And if you don't, I don't have time okay. for it. <laughs> I just Same. don't. Yeah, and so me being able to live my best life is just absolutely one of the most fun things. And I just know Mama's just celebrating the hell out of me right now. I know she is. <laughs> my little hillbilly wanted this for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. my mini me, you know. And so for me to be able to do that, I'm just. I'm really having a great time. Now, I'm not saying that there's not stuff that's, that doesn't happen in real life, right. you know. Um, you know, I may have something coming up that a left hook, you know, got me that I, mean, we have I didn't a realize. I mean, we have to touch on that. We've, I forgot about that. But if you wanted to touch on that, okay. just, you know, because you have been living your best life and you have done the healing and you're like sitting there and just going, yeah, yeah this is really great. And then boom, sucker punch. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then boom, you know, I go in to get a, you know, a standard mammo done and on Monday and two days later I get a call on Wednesday that says, you know, by the way, we need to schedule a lot more testing because we found masses in your right breast and there's something going on with your left. And I'm not a stranger to that. I, my first breast surgery I had done when I was 19, but I'm telling you, when you get in your 50s and you get that phone call, and, yeah. you know, you're finally living your best life, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what just happened? But I'll tell you the difference is I did not pick up a drink. I did not pick up a Xanax. I cried. I cried. I didn't feel guilty for crying. I didn't feel shame for oh, crying. I took the I rest of the that. day off work. I went home. I talked with my twin sister, who's my roommate now. I reached out to people. I'm ready. I'm ready to get this testing done, which is scheduled next week. I'm ready to continue to live my life. No matter what happens, I'm going to rise. This hillbilly yeah. is rising, and <laughs> I'm rising. Yeah. I, I have no doubt that everything's going to be okay because I also feel that. But uh, I think it just brings to mind, you know, obviously I wrote a book called Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter shameless plug for right. my book, but, <laughs> but 
But the theory of that book is, you know, here you are going on with your life and you get this devastating news that you only have six months to live or something that could potentially take you out. And you really do start looking at your life different. And, and, and all of a sudden, nothing uh, that wastes your time, because time theoretically is all you have left, you know, is I had a person yesterday who, who the doctors told her that she had a week to live. And she's kind of a matriarch of this family. And she said the cancers have oh, spread to your spine and you're, you're done. And so she said, then, then send me home because I'm going home and they're having a huge Thanksgiving dinner today and they're celebrating as a family today because she knows this is what's important. So, so when you get a diagnosis like that, where you don't know the diagnosis yet, but it starts to really boil down what's important and what's really, really, really the microscopic basics of my life and who's important. And if there's something else I need to do, I need to do it now, but that's how we should be living our lives every single day. That's why I wrote the book, because I was living a very unfulfilled, unhealthy life, and I couldn't do it anymore. So anyways, I love your story. I love, uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. Uh, what made you do this at yeah. Hillbilly Healing Volume 1 Adult Coloring Book and why that's important? Well, ever since my trauma as a child, I always had these drawings in my head, and a lot of times I would escape to them, you know, so I wouldn't be around the beating as much or maybe the screaming wouldn't be as loud and I didn't actually start drawing them on paper until after mama died and that was another coping mechanism that I learned um, that was healthy was I needed to get those drawings out out of me it was like pouring out a story every time I draw one there's a story to the drawing and I started I would color them after I would draw them and then it gave me such peace and joy mm-hmm. to have these and then I thought somebody told me one day they said, Why don't you make an adult coloring book? And I said, What? And they said, Well you have a lot of drawings and you know, you would be able to serve and help a lot of other people by sharing these and then that that's my goal is to get these out and you know, it's been testing done and everything that drawing and coloring but especially the coloring part is like a form of meditation it's and it me slows painting, people down yeah. Yeah. yeah it slows people down it lets them look it lets them see the drawing it lets them see what color do i want to color with you know what do i want to use what, do i yeah, want to use a crayon do i want to use a marker yeah. Yeah, what yeah. color's coming out of me? Is that a sign to me? And for me, you know, I use colors, especially with the Reiki, because you, the seven chakra centers are different colors. And the funny thing was, every time I would color one of my drawings, the main circle in the drawing I would color red. And I had no clue what that meant until I you got started the doing the Reiki. Training. And that's that's the root chakra. And I had felt yeah. so ungrounded my entire life. And it was like that was the main part of the drawing was that. And I so I wanted to where do people, people. Yeah, where can people find you? On Facebook? Do you have a group yeah, on Facebook? on Facebook. Yeah, I have a group on Facebook. It's called Tab 11 Coaching. Um, I have a Facebook page on there. I also have a... Uh, one that's called healing intuitive healing for intuitive drawing that I have on there. And then I'm just Teresa Blanton on Facebook too, out of Ohio. 
but um, my website's under construction. But you know my my um, my email is b period t h r e s e at yahoo dot com. And so, and I'm also doing Reiki a couple of nights a week at a local chiropractor's office, and that's at One River Collective in Lima, Ohio. Yay! So, to all my Ohio peeps out there listening, you got to look Teresa up. You got to find her on Facebook. Go get that healing. Let me tell you what I know about Teresa is that she's so committed to her healing and so committed to healing others. I'm no doubt that God put you on this planet to be a healer and, and, and offer that to the world. And so I really want to thank you so much for showing up today and sharing your truths, really some hard ones. And, but I think that people need to know that this is life, like shit happens. Mm -hmm. And, and, and not all of us have been dealt these great, wonderful, you know, Kardashian lives. Like it's like we have to sometimes work at having a good life. But I think at the end of the day, my advice to everybody is through all that, just go with the flow. Because when you're riding the flow of life, it is easier. It is more peaceful. There's no resistance. If you don't get the promotion, there's a reason. If the relationship ends, there's a reason. If the friendship ends, there's a reason. And that's what gets me through. That's what gets me through those days is that I know that I am in my divine time and things will happen the way they're supposed to. So thank you. Have a beautiful day. And thank uh, you, Kathy. When your when your book comes out, we'll have you back on the show. Everybody tune in next week to the Rise and Shine episode uh, coming up, which is going to be with the space doula, Dorena Kors. And I'm telling you, that's one you're not going to want to miss. She's a feng shui expert, not to mention the fact that she will change your life by changing your house. Bye, everybody. Have a blessed day.